Section 8 of Trips in the Life of a Locomotive Engineer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. Trips in the Life of a Locomotive Engineer by Henry Dawson. Section 8 The Fireman. The fireman, the engineer's left-hand man, his trump-card, without whom it would be difficult for him to get over the road, is seen but little, and thought but little of. He is usually dirty and greasy, wearing a ragged pair of overalls, originally blue, but now embroidered so with oil and dust that they are become a smutty brown just before the train leaves the station you will see his face down which streams the perspiration looking back watching for the signal to start for this is one of his many duties his head is usually ornamented in his opinion with some outlandish cap or hat though others regard it as a fittingly outrageous cap sheaf to his general dirty and outer appearance but little cares mr fireman he runs the firebox of that machine he feels pride in the whole engine and when he sees anyone admiring its polished surface gleaming so brightly in the sun flashing so swiftly by the farmhouses on the road in each of which mr fireman has acquaintance of the opposite sex to whom he must needs swing his handkerchief he feels a glow of honest satisfaction, and the really splendid manner in which his efforts have caused it to shine, which is evidently one great reason for the admiration bestowed upon it, so fills him with self-gratulation that, in his great modesty, which he fears will be overcome, if he stays there much longer watching people as they admire his handiwork, and he be led to tell them all about it, how he scrubbed and scoured to bring her to that pitch of perfection, he turns away, and begins to pitch the wood about in the most reckless manner imaginable, yet every stick goes just where he wants it. His aspirations, and he has them, my lily-handed friend, as well as you, and perhaps, though not so elevated, more honourable than yours, are that he may, by attending to his own duties, so attract the attention of the ones in authority, that he may be placed in positions where he can learn the business, and by and by himself have charge of an engine as its runner. It does not seem a very high ambition, but to attain it he undergoes a probation, seldom of less than three, frequently of seven or eight years, at the hardest kind of work, performed too where dangers are thick around him, and his chances to avert them very slim. His duties are manifold and various but long years of attendance to them makes them very monotonous and irksome, and he would soon weary of them, did not the hope of one day being himself sole master of the iron horse actuate him to renewed diligence and continued efforts to excel. He is on duty longer than any other man connected with the train. 
he must be on hand before the engine comes out of the shop to start a fire and see that all is right about the engine usually he brings it out upon the track and then when all is ready he begins the laborious work of throwing wood which amounts to the handling of from four to seven cords of wood per diem while the engine and tender are pitching and rolling so that a greenhorn would find it hard work to stand on his feet let alone having while so standing to keep that fiery furnace supplied with fuel the worse the day the more the snow or rain blows the harder his work his hands become calloused with the numerous wounds he receives from splinters on the wood he it is who has to go out on the run-board and oil the valves while the engine is running full speed no matter how cold the wind may blow, how rain, hail, sleet, or snow may beat down upon him, covering everything with ice, nor how dark the night, out there he must go, and crawl along the slippery side of the engine to do his work. At stations he must take water, and when at last the train arrives at its destination and others are ready to go home he must stay if a little too much wood is in the firebox he must take it out and then go to work cleaning and scouring the dust and rust from off the bright work and from the boiler every bit of cleaning in the cab and above the run-board including the cylinders and steam chest must be done by him and anyone who will look at the fancy work on some of our modern locomotives can judge something of what he has to do after the day's work on the road is done. Everything is brass or covered with brass, and all must be kept polished like a mirror, or the fireman is hauled over the coals. For performing these manifold duties, he receives the magnificent sum of usually thirty dollars per month, and he knows no Sundays, no holidays, on long roads he scarcely knows sleep. He has not the responsibility resting on him that there is upon the engineer, but it is required of him, when not otherwise engaged with his duty of firing, to assist the engineer in keeping a lookout ahead. His position is one of the most dangerous on the train, as is proved by the frequent occurrence of accidents, where only the fireman is killed, and his only obituary, no matter how earnest he may have been, how faithful in the performance of his duties, is an item in the telegraphic reports that a fireman was killed in such a railroad smash. He may have been one of nature's noblemen, a fond mother and sweet sisters may have been dependent on his scanty earnings for their support no matter the great surging tide of humanity that daily throngs these avenues of travel has not time to inquire after nor sympathy to waste upon a greasy wood passer whom they regard as simply a sort of peace in the machinery of the road not half so essential as a valve or bolt for if he be lost his place can be at once supplied 
but if a bolt or other essential piece of the iron machinery give out, it will most likely cause a vexatious delay. Once in a while a fireman performs some heroic act that brings him into a momentary notoriety, and opens the eyes of the few who may be cognizant of the case, to the fact that, on a railroad, all men are in danger, and that the most humble of them may perform some self-sacrificing deed that will, at the expense of his own, save many other lives. In a collision that occurred at a station on one of the roads in New York State, the engineer, a relative of some of the managers of the road, who had fired only half so long as the man then firing for him, jumped from the engine, leaving it to run at full speed into the hind end of a train standing on a branch track, of which the switch was wrong not doing a single thing to avert or mitigate the calamity, fearing only for his own precious neck, which a hemp cravat would ornament to the edification of the world. The fireman sprang at once to the post vacated by the engineer, reversed the engine, opened the sandbox valve, and rode into the hind end of that train, losing, in so doing, a leg and an arm. He has been most munificently rewarded for his heroism, being now employed to attend a crossing, and hold a flag for passing trains, and receiving the princely compensation of twenty-five dollars per month, while the engineer, who deserted his post, and left all to kind providence, is running on the road at a salary of seventy-five per month. End of section 8